Coming up on Tech Thing, iPhone 6S rumors everywhere, 4K desktop monitors, how much memory should your next phone have, streaming from Apple to Android, 3D printing hell, finding lost bookmarks, some sweet viewer tips, and so much more, all coming up on Tech Thing. Hey everybody, if you get something useful out of this episode of Tech Thing, please consider contributing to the show at patreon.com slash techthing. If we hit our next milestone goal of $2,500, a free build video every month to our Patreon donors. That's patreon.com slash techthing. Thank you so much for donating to the show. I'm Shannon Morse. And I'm Patrick Norton. And this is Tech Thing, where we make technology behave. At least on the good days. <laughs> oh my goodness. So, 9to5Mac um, uh, uh, revealing... Oh, okay, so iPhone 6S rumors are flying this morning. Um, you know, 9to5Mac has pictures from a quote, proven source familiar with Apple's supply chain. And mm -hmm. they left it in a bar. Yeah, no, this is, this, is, this is far beyond a bar fine. Um, looks like outside of some internal changes, it's going to look just about exactly the same, the 6S. No dual lens camera system, they're claiming. Uh, a different internal mounting structure for reasons unknown. Uh, the antenna lines are still there. Um, one thing, that another sort of side rumor is that they're going to be using, finally, the new Qualcomm uh, LTE, the uh, MDM9633. Five now that's nine. the latest chip, right? Well, yeah, it's funny. Well, it, Qualcomm announced it like two years ago, and I think right. it started showing up with the Galaxy S5. Okay. If, uh, but in theory, right, it's okay. So let's go back to the, the, the phone itself, right? Force touch display, mm -hmm. uh, all of the Apple Watch, the pressure sensitive display. We got um, the Qualcomm chip. Yeah, which well, promises to double the 4G, LG, 4G LTE speed. I can't Ooh. say 4G LTE. Not that your mobile provider can deliver that. Um, True. I'm kind of curious if they're finally going to up the memory to 256 gigabytes. I wonder if they will. That would be useful. I got to say, I, <laughs> I am in love with the fact. It cost me a fortune, um, but you know, I got 128 gigabytes of memory on my iPhone 6, which has eliminated a lot of the issues I had in the past with yeah. dealing with too many photos, dealing with having 60 gigabytes of audio. Yeah. You're funny. I, I, we were <laughs> laughing. I was laughing about this. You were staring at me with, with the intolerable with look anger. of anger and hatred. <laughs> um, but, but we were talking. You have 32 gigabytes. Um, Note 4? Note I 5? Yeah. Note 6? It's Note a 7? Note <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it's a Samsung Galaxy Note 4 on Verizon. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I have a 32 gig phone. And I was looking at my my uh, the internals because I was right. like this thing is going really slow. So Can it turns out I'm taking left. like 900 photos on that thing. I just forgot to transfer them. You know they're in the cloud, so I could just save them there. I uh, see. I think I'm upwards of 6,000 oh, photos with no no real impact on performance. But then I asked you, why you don't you suck. throw? Why don't you have a micro SD card in there? So that's the thing is I've I've used a lot of micro SD cards for mm -hmm. the hack store, the mm -hmm. hack shop that we do for Hack Five, and we had some early issues years ago with right. micro SD cards. So now I don't trust them fully. To put this into context, uh, Sarah, who runs the hack shop, she has this giant like thirty-two ounce coffee cup on her desk, full, literally full, full of one hundred twenty-eight megabyte micro SD cards. So. It's I'm going to suggest if you stick to a reputable brand such as SanDisk or Samsung, yeah, you'll probably, probably be fine with SanDisk. I think it's time. It's time to, to put an SD card in that phone. <sighs> I guess phone. so. But I'm going to be really, uh, I really have to back up those pictures because I'm going to be very adamant about <laughs> having those two sources of backups just in case that micro SD card blows up on me. And since we haven't said it in at least a two weeks, Back your system up, back your phone up. Actually, yep. I guess we said it at the end of last week. Every single know. episode. <laughs> well, just in case. If you, if, you, if you haven't been staying for the whole show and you're missing some great stuff, if you're not, 
um, you should go back your phone up right now. Mm -hmm. yeah. And of course, moving on in honor of PG&E yesterday, the, uh, PG&E is the Pacific Gas and Electric our Company. Local utility. They're in charge of our utilities. Okay. Yesterday they had this thing that's basically, we're gonna rake you over the coals, turn all your stuff off type of day, where they double the price. Uh, so <laughs> Fernando asks, is booting from a USB pen drive good for power saving? I have an old PC with Linux Mintbox who works as a NAS with MediaTomb and server Ubiquiti beside playing all of my movies and videos. I want to know this because I don't want to pay many energy bills because of my home server. Thanks and best wishes from Peru. And that was from Fernando. Thank you so much, Fernando. That's a good question. Well, it's kind of funny because we were thinking a lot about power yesterday as we're you know, yeah, we, we did our Patreon, you know, donation, donator, hangout. Like, I was in the dark, being lit by my, <laughs> yep. by the light from my monitor from my LCD flat panel. That thumb drive probably boots faster than a standard drive, though servers really shouldn't reboot that often. It probably serves files faster than a standard drive, and you might even save a little bit of energy, but it's probably nothing compared to the energy being sucked down by the CPU, GPU, and motherboard <laughs> on your older PC. Uh, so I had a Core i7-920. Uh, I was using it as a home theater PC slash home server um, slash rendering box. It, it was, it, wow. yeah, well, it, it went from being <laughs> my gaming PC to like temporarily for the home server. Oh. It idled at over 100 watts. Whoa. Right? Newer processors, um, well, it was always kind of doing something and, yeah. and it was just, it was one of, it was, at one point, CPUs were getting up to like 150 watts. Um, most modern processors use a fraction of that kind of power, and power That's savings good. are built into the motherboard in the UFI BIOS so that it automatically knows if it's not doing certain things, it just shuts everything down. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm looking at a Synology NAS right now, the DS1550 Plus, they set us uh, in to use and experiment with. Um, I'm going to show it off next week. Uh, it idles, I think, at a little over 20 watts, right? Wow. So 20 watts versus that's 100 impressive. watts. Yeah, well, okay, <laughs> but that's when it's, you know, it's like 20 watts at idle, like 40 watts of the drives are moving. Yeah. Um, we'll get more into that in the next week or two. But the question is, how much does that really cost? And there's a really cool, like, rapidtables.com is a really cool electricity bill calculator. Um, they're out here all the place. But, like, I'm gonna, just going to use desktop computer. And if you're actually sucking down 100 watts, 24 hours a day, and your like, you know, electricity costs 12 cents, uh, you're looking at about $105 a year. So let me wow. hit calculate one more time. So if we drop that down to say 20 watts, and obviously this is you know, let's let's call it 30 watts because we have a mixture of like idle and and power time for the drives. You know, you're looking at $31 a month. So that's a pretty significant cut, right? Yeah. But part of what I'm saying though is the idea is that. You know, it, it may be a lot of money to you, it may not be a lot of money to you, but the reason that they're pushing LEDs so hard in CFLs, well, I hate CFLs with the fiery passion of a thousand suns, but if you drop, if everybody has a significant drop in um, their power consumption, you know, if 100,000 houses drop, Right. you know, a thousand watts a year. That's a lot of electricity. Mm -hmm. um, one thing that's really useful for this, we've talked about the kilowatt. This is, I think, Darren's watts up meter. Um, it's really cool when you take a look at what's consuming power in your house. Because I take a look, Fernando, at what in your house is using the most electricity. You may save a tiny bit of electricity with that thumb drive, but upgrading to a better uh, a NAS appliance or a newer PC may mm -hmm. net you a much larger savings in electricity. <laughs> that was really wordy, sorry. That's okay. Cool. And lastly, we did get a, uh, another question from Judd. He says, I like the 43-inch 4Ks, but didn't know how they would perform as a monitor. The price is right, has sound and multipliable inputs. What's not to like? Thanks, from Judd. 
Oh boy, uh, if it's 60 hertz in one sense, nothing, except that it'll be like being in the front row of the theater, uh, right? In the sense that you'll be like, I need to look at that yes. corner. I need to look at that corner. And I've now just stared at two of our LED lights in the studio and I'm blind. Um, the optimal viewing distance for a 4K monitor, 43 inch 4K monitor is around four feet. Wow. Um, for a typical desk, a 32 to 37 inch screen would be about as big as you want to go. Like okay. THX and others say, you basically want sort of a 40 degree angle between you and the edges of the screen. So if you're nine feet and it changes, you can get closer with 4K, farther away with standard definition, but like a typical nine foot living room couch to television screen experience right. should be something like a 90 inch screen. Um, but for your desktop, having done a 40 inch monitor on a three foot desktop, it's awkward. It's much better at 4K <laughs> than at 1080p, but it's still kind of in your face. Yeah. Um, because with 4K, the resolution is so high that you can have a bunch of different things going on, mm -hmm. and you can see your entire app. Like with 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 with, with <laughs> 1024 by <laughs> 1024 by 768 monitor, somebody actually sold a 40 inch one, and we tried to use it as a desktop monitor, and you would be reading. Oh my god! It was like watching a tennis game. That is so funny. <laughs> At 4K, you can get like an entire document right in front of you, but I would say go for 32 to 37 inches. <laughs> so lastly, I also wanted to mention something that I saw on Twitter, and I thought this was kind of weird. So, odd. so it's hashtag crowd Greece. So <laughs> I started looking through this. It turns out that somebody created a bailout fund for Greece on Indiegogo. So they're crowdfunding a bailout for an entire country. What, what's the goal on that? Isn't that crazy? It's um, 1.6 billion. billion dollars. And they're up to 874 billion pounds. Let's see, that's hundreds, euros. thousands, billions. 874,356 euros now. They have a way to go. Yeah. <laughs> so they aren't even at 0% funded and they're almost to a million euros. Yet another new and exciting use. Wow, crowdfunding a country. That's the HostGator Disruptive Technology of the Week. <laughs> I kid. But if you use HostGator, you uh, use tech thing and, and you get a 30% discount. <laughs> Just saying. Let's go talk to Darren and see what's happening on Hack5. Hey, Patrick, we've got an excellent show of Hack5 this week. I can't wait for you guys to head over and check out all the good stuff about Open Zen Manager. And we're also comparing Zen versus Proxmox. If you're not sure what that is, it's all about rolling your own virtualization cluster. You know, your little home lab, right? You can find all that over at hak5.org. It is now time for the Rapid Fire Roundup. And this week, we've got three awesome tips from our viewers, because you guys are awesome. Are you ready? Ready. Go. Dave says, I noticed in a couple episodes you referenced Windows Task Manager, accessing it with the three-fingered salute. Instead of Control-Alt-Delete, you can press Control-Shift-Escape, and it'll open Task Manager directly. No mouse needed. I knew that. Awesome, Dave. Well, I you didn't. Know just because you know everything. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Michael from Texas writes, I own multiple domains. When I set up an account with a new company, I use a unique email address, email alias actually for that company, amazon.com at mydomain.com, for example, msn at mydomain.com, et cetera, et cetera. So if I start getting spam from Netscape at mydomain.com, I know exactly who sold it. That one actually happened. Ooh. I've also had that happen with car dealerships, hospitals, et cetera. So that has come in handy. If a company sells my info, I quit doing business with them, dump the alias, and it all goes to spam. Yes. I'm not sure if this still works, but I've been told that email plus company at gmail.com works mm. too. It still comes to you, but it can filter or mark as spam based on that unique email address for that particular company. Keep up the good work, Michael from Texas. 
That's kind of awesome. That's kind of serious. Why didn't I think of that? Amazing. Thank you, Michael. I'm doing that now. And uh, <laughs> and when I tweeted out, anybody have a favorite brand of KVM for at Derek Engel one? Boy, did y'all answer the calls. <laughs> yes, well, they did. Yeah, so Derek Engel asks, what's your favorite hardware-based KVM? I'm in the market looking for recommendations. Uh, David Jacoby says, my KVM is IO gear. doesn't like my wireless Logitech keyboard, so I replace scroll lock with Arduino and easy button. Mm. Patrick says, I use a cheap TrendNet KVM. It's never failed me. Devin says, TrendNet, not so much as a hiccup. Eric says, at Lona or Geffen. Uh, Fenobt says, at the office, we have two different generation TrendNet 8 ports kids that have lasted a long time. Patrick, another Patrick, says, Belkin Omniviews, long lasting and just work. And then uh, Mark says, Intel vPro slash AMT is my fave. Steve says, Avacent. Ryan F says, are we talking rack mounted or desktop, which is a common <laughs> question. And, oh, there it is. Maury says, two-port IO gears works with wired and wireless. Almighty Mook says, thanks to Fab remote access software like TeamViewer at all, KVMs are extinct in my words. Wow. World. And Jim says, Belkin. I would like to note that we have been discussing KVMs and other servers, headless servers, on Hack5. So if that's an option, you might want to check out our most recent episodes of Hack5, too. If you have something to contribute after you watch the episodes of Hack 5, do us a favor. Oh, email. I should have emailed you guys, ask at techthing.com with that answer, shouldn't I? Or you could tweet at techthing. <laughs> or you could post it at facebook.com slash techthing. Yes. It's time for our HostGator Disruptive Technology of the Week, and I want to talk about 3D printing, in part because I've been teaching 3D printing to my seven-year-old, which has been kind of exciting because he spent like two hours one day staring at the extruder moving <laughs> over the panel, in which case, uh, you know, good things happened on one print and then bad things happened on the really complicated next print, which means I'm recalibrating a 3D printer um, because the head is a half millimeter too low and it's actually literally scraping uh, the PLS as it goes, or the PLA as it goes down on the model. Um, and of course, there's no proper directions on the manufacturer's page for calibrating the printer because this thing is supposed to level itself automatically. Which brings me to some interesting thoughts about 3D printing. Um, I'm not particularly a huge TechCrunch fan a lot of the time, but I like some of their articles. This one is, the race to the bottom is now hitting professional 3D printers. Um, you know, the eagle-eyed among you will notice, writes uh, John Biggs, something interesting about the Riverside photo-curing 3D printer pictured above almost all of the design is a direct homage to the Formlands Form 1. Uh, and it undercuts the price of the Formlabs Form 1 by about 50%. This is selling for about $1,500. And I bring this up because 3D printers are getting incredibly affordable. Um, you know, I'm in the process, and I should point out that I am a geek. I am oh, a really? maker. Yeah, no, in case, a lot of people don't realize it. A lot of people, especially Shannon, this is a shock and a surprise to Shannon. But, but I am, I'm a geek. I'm a maker. I have issues. I Never will, knew. Yeah, <laughs> I hide it so well. It's kind of fun, though. PrinterBot uh, has one of the new PrinterBot symbols with the steel frame. We're assembling that right now. I'm really excited about this because this is a pretty badass printer for the money, especially if you get the heated table. But when you start talking about heated tables, and you're like, okay, so I'm 3D printing, and two of my best friends are Aquanet hairspray mm -hmm. and a scraper because first they have to make sure the actual ABS or PLA plastic sticks to the panel, and if it's heated, it won't actually come down. And by the way, if it's a bit of a draft in the room, you could end up with some issues stabilizing it, so you should probably put a box over it or buy a 3D printer with some kind of enclosure. <laughs> and at this point, you might be thinking like, well, 
should I buy one or should I get things made? And right. it's really interesting because you start looking around, you know, for something small, it's not a big deal. But if you're looking at something like this, check out these 3D printed exoskeleton hands that are up on the Thingiverse. You may not realize it because this looks like, oh, it's not that big, but this is like multiple parts that are all going to have to be printed. In many cases, they're going to be printed separately. That's not even looking at something crazy uh, by the same designer um, <laughs> where he's built these, these cosplay 3D skeleton arms. And this is A, going to require a huge printer, and B, you know, this print, this forearm size print down there, that might be three hours of printing. Mm -hmm. That's a long time. So when you start looking around, it's like, oh, well, I can do this, this hook. Well, that hook might be an hour. That's why you might want to look at something like 3D Hubs. And 3D Hubs is interesting for two reasons. One, it, it has almost 19,000 different people with 3D printers. So you can look up by neighborhood or zip code to find out if there's someone with a 3D printer in your neighborhood. And if you own a 3D printer, you can start committing to print things for other people, which may be a way of justifying the expense of a 3D printer. It's a little tiny business you can put together. Um, but it's kind of crazy. Like there's you know professional level stuff, Stratasys, which is kind of the 3D printing company, mm -hmm. no disrespect to MakerBot. Um, they do solid concepts where they, they are doing incredible, like I've seen some of the models they make here where they're doing like a head for an automobile that is printed in 3D. It's, it's incredible amazing. stuff. Sculptio's been around for a while. Um, I thought this was pretty crazy. Um, a UPS, uh, there it is, Cloud DDM, which is a company I hadn't heard about. This is 3dprint.com, a really interesting blog for people interested in 3D printing. They actually have um, a whole bunch of like 100 3D printers and some employees at the UPS Worldwide Hub. What? Well, the idea that you could actually do same-day shipping for 3D printed parts. That's awesome. Yeah. So, you know, I, uh, there are amazing, like, I, I love the PrinterBot people. They're here in California. They've been really generous helping us uh, get a hold of 3D printers, i.e. giving them for us to test, which has allowed us to experiment with them. Um, MakerBots does some amazing, there's so many amazing 3D printing companies. Mm -hmm. And like that TechCrunch article says, the prices are dropping through the floor. But... It's still a complicated, wicked, ripping pain in the ass. Not <laughs> wait, well, you hit print on a on a two D printer, and generally speaking, what's on your screen prints out these days. Right. It may look ugly, but that's because you have bad design sense, not because the printer is vomiting all over your life. So, I I digress. Um, if you build a website, if you're thinking about if you start a three D printing business, if you start selling three D printed parts. Do us a favor, host it on HostGator.com. Use the coupon code TECHTHING. You'll get 30% off any new hosting package. And you'll help support the show and keep it coming to you. Yes. I love 3D printing so much. I do too. It's such an incredible thing. I, I printed want, a shark. It's sitting at my home. I want to start like printing metal 3D parts because as much as I love TIG welding, the idea of actually, in any case, Chris emails AskYouTechThing.com. Patrick, Shannon, I can't seem to find if this was recently talked about back on Techzilla or maybe HD Nation, but what is your recommendation for apps that cast your live screen view pictures in all videos in real time from Apple to Android? I'm rocking the Equizio sticks on a couple of TVs and would love to cast stuff from one device to the other. Thanks for your help and keep up the awesome work. Chris H. Thank that's, you, Chris. Yeah, that's we a will, very good question. <laughs> It's a great question. So it turns out these Equizo sticks, or Equizo, uh, they run on Android. It's kind mm -hmm. of like a Chrome stick for your TV on HDMI. It lets you access the entire Play Store, which is pretty sweet. Yeah. And you can view your content on your TV. So it's it, it's kind of like giving your television the access of Android TV. Uh, if you want to just stream things from all of your Android devices to your Apple stuff, I know that's backwards from what you asked, there's a ton <laughs> of options. Right. So when you do that, it's fine. 
there's everything. You can do double twist. Uh, they make a really good app for that. And if you add Air Sync, which is their other option, uh, this one is $4.99, it's a little extra. Oh that one lets you use AirPlaying to Apple devices. So you add on that additional ability. Yeah, that additional functionality. So they have those two apps available. And then I also wanted to check out something for mirroring your iOS device because mm -hmm. that doesn't let you mirror. So an option for mirroring your iOS device in streaming photos and streaming those videos that you want would be this thing called Reflector. So that's over at, I love this name, airsquirrels.com. <laughs> it's $6.99 in the Google Play Store, but it only has three stars. So it seems mm -hmm. like they're having some issues with newer uh, operating systems like iOS operating systems and Android. And that will let you send stuff from like your iOS device yeah. to an Android thumb drive. Exactly. Cool. So you can stream it to anything that you gets access to the Google Play Store. You buy it for $6.99 in the Google Play Store and then you can stream everything from your iOS device over to whatever you have downloaded that app on. It seems like a really cool uh, purchase. It is $6.99 again, so it's a slightly expensive app, but if this is something that you need to use regularly, say for work or for you know your friends and family, that right. it might be a good purchase. Uh, definitely check it out. And of course, if you guys have a suggestion for Chris, email us over at ask@techthing.com because I'm very interested in seeing what else is available out there. I have an iPad and an Android phone, so it'd be very useful to be able to do that. I think it's all about air squirrels. Air squirrels. Air squirrels. Yeah. It seems like it. They only have three stars though, so I'm like, uh, it's, maybe it's because of updates. updates. So yeah, More update updates. your app. <laughs> hey everybody, if you're a fan of Tech Thing, do us a favor, make sure you are subscribed to techthing.com on iTunes or youtube.com slash techthing. We had a glitch last week. I apologize for the delayed feed to the RSS stuff and uh, iTunes. Uh, I found a new and exciting issue between our New blog. and exciting. Yeah, well, in any case, we figured out what happened and what happened again this week. Uh, do us a favor, if you want to take it to the next level, consider contributing to the show at patreon.com slash techthing. And if we hit our next milestone goal, we will start creating a special viewer or a special Patreon-only video where we're going to build something and share it with our Patreon donators. You can donate however much you want per episode. Every little bit counts. We'd love it if you started at a dollar. And if you can't donate, no worries. Please take the time to send us questions, tips, and to share the show with your friends and family. If you can give our videos the thumbs up on YouTube and like our Facebook page, it all helps keep us going each and every week to you. And thank you so much for supporting TechThing. Sir Mars posted up on Twitter, at TechThing, one thing I'd like to see is a roundup of remote apps for either Android or iOS devices. Might be a good use for a Nexus 4. Hmm, I've got a few for Android, and since you said you have a Nexus 4, I'm gonna show you the Android ones. <laughs> As they say, you pay for what you get, or you get what you pay for. <laughs> <laughs> Smart IR remote, that's the first one that I like, and I actually use this one at home. It's pretty useful. It's $6.99. Oh my goodness! It. I know, another expensive one, but <laughs> it works. And it's universal, so it works with all the TVs and everything. So it's very, very useful. I, I said that because whenever I mention an app that costs money, you get all riled up. I think <laughs> paying for software is good because it means the people that make software get to eat. It's a one-time only yeah. fee, so it's seven bucks and it's a thing that works and it costs less than like it a Harmony really remote. really well. So it's there. <laughs> On the free side though, like if you don't want to spend any money, there are a couple of options as well. The first one is called IR Universal Remote. Uh, this one is 
a little bit more colorful. It works exactly the same way. Uh, this one also gets four stars from 27,000 people. So that's a very, very good option that you might want to check out. And the last one, this is specifically for any of you Samsung people out there. So if you, it's called A Smart Remote IR, and it works with Galaxy and HTC devices. This one is also free, but again, just works with Galaxy and HTC. And those all work because there's an IR transmitter in the phone already. Exactly, yeah. So you have to have that IR transmitter for these to actually bounce that IR <laughs> device. Well, no, no. Is, is there one built into the phone or you need to plug something no, in the phone? No, it's in the phone. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's totally in the phone, so you're good to go. Yeah, we don't, <laughs> we don't have that on iOS. Yeah. Boy, an email to askatechthing.com. Just notice that now all of a sudden writing to SD cards with 4.4 is not possible unless Android's been rooted. Just wondering if you noticed this too. Thanks, Boyd. Um, this is really interesting. This is actually a feature not a bug. And yeah, as ridiculous basically. as that sounds. <laughs> so I found some information on this over at theguardian.com. So it's basically uh, the reason that Android 4.4 won't allow for third-party apps to write to your SD cards is because of a security problem. So when you allow these different third-party applications to write wherever they want on your phone, including your SD card, they not only have access to the folder that they're downloading that application into, but also everything else on the SD card, which uh -oh. was a major problem, especially if you don't want them to access things like your own pictures, for example. Now, later on in Android 5.0, this was changed over. So if you have updated to Lollipop for phones that have an SD card, uh, then you're out. Good to go. Yeah, you're finally able to actually put your applications onto the SD card, but that's because they extended the API to allow full directory access. They automated the Media Store, which is basically DevTalk for, they made it easier for people to download things onto your SD card, but they're also improving the security so those same applications can't you know, see everything else on your SD card as well. So if I have an older device that mm -hmm. there is no Lollipop update for, or if I'm hanging fire while my mobile carrier decides to pass through my Lollipop update, are there workarounds? There are. So yeah, if you can't update, basically the easiest thing you can do is root your device. Obviously that's going to, uh, it won't brick it, but it might void your warranty. So keep that in mind. Mm -hmm. I believe it voids your warranty now in 2015, doesn't it? It's a fine question. Yeah. In any case, you know, rooting your phone is something to think twice about before you do. And there's also an application <laughs> as well. So, oh shoot, never mind. It's no longer there. <laughs> there was an application. It was called KitKat External SD Card Patch, but apparently it's been taken down probably since Lollipop was started up. So yeah, rooting your phone. <laughs> One last question before we go. Ian writes in, hi, I started watching your podcast feeds and thought I might give you a try with some techie issues I'm having. I have a Samsung S4 with Metro PCS and use primarily the default web browser. I had about 20 bookmarks and one day I go in and all of them have disappeared. I do not know of a quick and fast way of deleting all of the bookmarks at once. So I was wondering if there was a way to get them back. Thank you for your help, Ian. That's so mysterious. Uh, yeah, glitch, bug, update? Yeah, it's most likely like a bug because mm -hmm. that happens, especially if you have updates happening with the uh, browser that's built into your 
into your phone, so that can be a problem. Uh, luckily, Android does back up your bookmarks, mm -hmm. which is great. So you can set it up in the settings of your phone. You just go into your general settings, choose uh, backups, and then choose bookmarks. So you can add a little check mark there. Then if you had backed them up, you can factory reset your phone and you'll get them all back. You can also use this in Chrome too, which will sync bookmarks across multiple devices. That's exactly what I do. So anytime I add something to my mobile browser, it automatically backs up onto my browser at home on my PC as well. Now, if you need to uncover or discover your old bookmarks and recover them, I would use this. So this is basically an instructables about how to recover deleted data from your Android device in a few easy steps. Now, since you specifically asked about bookmarks, that's why I chose this. There are like different applications mm -hmm. like Distigger, which is a free app. Uh, it does require rooting, I believe, but it's able to recover things like photos and videos. This Distigger does not do bookmarks, unfortunately. Now, for this one, you would plug in the USB into your PC for your Android phone. You would want to enable USB debugging mode on your Android phone, download the program that they discuss in this, and then hit start. And it simply goes through and it recovers all the deleted data on your phone, and oh, then wow. you can choose what you want to recover and back up onto your PC. That's pretty so awesome. So it does include bookmarks on there, so it's definitely a really good choice if that's still a problem. I hope that you find your bookmarks, because that sucks. I hate losing stuff. And you don't have to root your phone to be able to run this. You don't, no. All you have to do is enable USB debugging, which is awesome. Thank you, Sheena-Tech on Instructables. <laughs> Lovely to that in the show notes. And remember, once in a while, put down the phone, step away from the screen, close the do laptop, it. and do something analog. <laughs> For example. Like my favorite, going to the Pirate Festival, which <laughs> I don't remember if I mentioned this yet or not, but I went to a Pirate Festival and it was amazing. I saw pictures. Yeah. Of you pirating. There might have been photos. But yeah, if you have a Pirate Festival in your local area, definitely go. There is one in the Northern California area. Did you That's like attack to. things and blow up ships and take prisoners and steal treasure? I didn't, but there was a ship and it was blowing up things on the land. So mostly you 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 did there pirate cosplay and drank. Yeah, there were mermaids and there was beer and it was joyous. And your husband looked like the dread pirate Wesley. Yes, he did. <laughs> I'm Patrick Norton. I'm Shannon Morse. We'll see you next week on Tech Thing. Yeah, it's uh, a losing battle. Dude. Put some hairspray on him. No. <laughs> can I can I hairspray your hair with no, the Aquanet? Please, please don't. Please. <laughs> this stuff is not. It does not work very well as hairspray. Uh, it does if you're of a certain age. <laughs> <laughs> this was the bomb back in the '70s because not only could you use it to fix oh, your man, hair semi permanently, so uh, but you could use it to fire up potato cannons, which are illegal in the state of California. Fortunately, turns out pneumatic potato cannons are legal in the state of California and will drive a potato much farther, much faster than you can do it with pyrokinetics. Bye. It's on the other side of the wall and I don't have my compressor or my CO2 tank here, so you're good to go. <laughs> do you have a, anybody have a lighter? Lighter? No, don't lighter? give him a lighter. No, just don't. What's the worst thing we do is, is light off the standpipe no. system and take out the entire warehouse? No. And that would be bad. All right, I'm gonna put this down. <laughs> Fire, kids, not just for breakfast anymore. Oh my goodness. We lost Shannon. <laughs> now, I thought you were a pirate. Can't you do a little fire in-house? Well. Go drink another grog. Sure. <laughs> I'm a smart pirate, okay? I make sure that insurance is 
covers fires before I do things like that. <laughs> <laughs> Here, you can have the shiny option. Thank you. Yeah, oh my I, I would bite it, but I know where this has been. Thank you.